0: You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan.
1: Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. With the 20th pick
2: in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Kadarius Tony, wide receiver, Florida.
0: So with us today, very, very special guest is Mark McLeod from the Blitz in Florida. Uh, covering Florida Gators everything, I believe,
2: right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't do a whole lot with basketball. i got to take a little time off, but we had a guy at the station who was doing that um, and covering that. So I do predominantly football. I delve into football recruiting a bit, although I don't call the kids up uh, and do all that. And I also uh, do baseball, Florida baseball. So
1: everybody who listens to this show is probably sick to death of me talking about Florida football whenever I can interject it. But we have Mark on because he knows 20 times more than I do. And we want to talk specifically today about Kadarius, Tony and Brett Heggie and then do a quick little wraparound of other Gators that were drafted, you know, specifically in the NFC East. And just a different perspective that, you know, most of you guys are used to hearing. You know, it's. Mark and I, we, we've done a, a Gator podcast together and hopefully we'll we'll do it again once our schedules align. And, you know, we, we've we been following Kadarius since recruiting and, you know, Brett Heggie as well. And I know Mark is one of Brett Heggie's biggest supporters. I know you've loved him from day one and we'll get to him in a minute, but I think it'd be a good perspective of how we've seen these guys kind of grow up and really mature, you know, from when they were recruits to where they are today. And I think Gator fans are... Uh, fans giant fans we're all the same here uh are really going to appreciate kind of what we're getting from these two guys you know obviously tony is more much more likely to stick but you know what you're getting for both of these guys so
0: yeah and i think the the thing that's on most giants fans minds you know like you said a lot of giants fans probably didn't know that much about kadarius tony up until you know the months leading into the draft and then you know their only real experience with him is that you know The day before the draft, suddenly there's reports about possible red flags with Kadarius Toney causing him to slip in the draft. Um, The Giants have been recently burned by off-the-field charges with a first-round draft pick with DeAndre Baker. You know, it was just a couple of years ago. Was that last year? It was was two years ago. Two years ago, right. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's just strange that Kadarius seemed to have a clean slate right up until the day before when these all surfaced. You know, to to the credit of the the media around here, and there's a lot of media outlets that cover the Giants here. Zach Rosenblatt from NJ.com wrote a whole story about how um, Kadarius was encouraged to find a hobby to stay away from nonsense after whatever incident took place, and that's where he picked up music. He would later be criticized for picking up music as a hobby you know, and that he doesn't really love football. So it was kind of a lose-lose situation for him. But, you know, being that you are right there in the mix, you've seen all of this in real time, I assume, uh, what can you divulge about the whole situation with Canary's Tony and, you know, whatever nonsense may have taken place? Was he involved in anything after that, et cetera?
2: You know, um, I can't really speak to what he was involved in afterwards or anything, but but, you know, I mean, He's he's a kid. He's a typical kid. I, I I'd never found him to be, um, you know, I've never found him to be one of those guys that just seeks out trouble, you know, and 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 goes and uh, hangs out with the wrong crew and does all that. Uh, I just think that that uh, Kadarius has kind of it goes to the beat of his own drum. Uh, we heard the things, you know, rumors, waves, Gainesville. Well, well, you know, it's not that he doesn't like football. He's just not completely bought in, and it wasn't that he was bought in. I I think he was really struggled to become a wide receiver is what I really believe. I mean, I look, let's face it. The first couple of years, Kadarius Tony was at Florida. He wasn't coached up properly. He really wasn't. Um, Then when Dan Mullen comes to Florida, brings Billy Gonzalez with him, Billy Gonzalez and Dan Mullen, they have a whole new way of doing things. And, and they essentially said, look, you're, you're, you're not going to be a two route guy if you want to play on the field here and you want to do what you need to do, then, then you need to put, we need you to you put forth a better effort. Um, when you're here on the practice field, work a little harder, do what we're telling you to do and you'll get on the field. And really, as Mike can attest to, he struggled a little bit with that. I mean, you saw bits and pieces of Kadarius, but then you would kind of scratch your head and go, where's he at? Where, where, where's Kadarius? Why aren't they playing him? You know? And, I think it just took a little while. You know, kids mature at a different level. And I think it it took a bit for Kadarius to get to that point, Mike. But when he did, look out. I mean, it was better. And really, we weren't able to go to practice. We weren't able to see anything. But it was really last August during the early practice sessions when Dan Mullen came to us in a Zoom press conference and said, huh, I'm telling you guys. Kadarius Tony, he's going to be something special. And, you know, we're, we're looking at this, and I'm sure Mike's thinking the same thing I am. Well, you know, we really didn't see a whole lot of that last year. We thought he probably would have played more. Um, you know, we didn't see him too much early in his career, even though he's unbelievably talented. Uh, and then, boom, next thing you know, Dan Mullen was right. Kadarius Tony was running routes we hadn't seen him run before. And, by the way, running those routes much better. Much better, and he just became a wide receiver. And you know, really, we hadn't seen that in Tony's career at Florida up until last season, is when it really kind of fully came together for him.
1: Yeah, there's a blessing and a curse at Florida, and this ever since Urban Meyer was there in 2008, it's called the Percy Harvin position. It's the it's the guy on the team It's probably the best athlete on the team who can do. All the little things, he can shake and bake, You can throw an end around to him, a pitch, You can run routes, but you know, where's number one, receiver type? But ever since Percy Harbin, and I don't think there's ever going to be another Percy Harbin at the college level. The guy was one of a kind. The expectations are, when you see a guy like him, oh, he's the next Percy. He's playing the Percy position. Kadarius Tony was, you know, he's a, a gifted athlete. He can do all the little things, especially in his first couple of years, but he was never Percy Harbin. And expectations were he was—he should have been, and he wasn't that. And he was having trouble getting on the field because other than the end arounds and the little gadget plays, he couldn't run routes. And Urban Meyer, I'm sorry, Dan Mullen's a guy where the longer you are in the program, the more trust he put in you if you put the time and effort into it. And you're right, Mark. The light went off in this past season and in in an off season where it was chaos, you know, players couldn't meet with coaches. They had to do everything by zoom. And you saw it like in those first couple of games, you know, in and against all sec competition this year, Florida didn't play scrubs this year because of they only played a, a conference schedule. He was running legitimate routes. He, he became a receiver and not only became a receiver, a trusted receiver who can make plays so it's definitely the, the maturity thing is, I think, the biggest increase in his game. You know, it seems like he's been in Florida forever, but uh, it's night and day just watching on film and, you know, and in person, the maturity of him.
2: Yeah, and you know, one other thing uh, that I'll throw in there. People have to remember, uh, and I know, as you said, a lot of people probably up in New York don't know Kadarius Toney. Uh, but Kadarius Tony wasn't a wide receiver in high school. This guy was a quarterback. That's they right. had he his athletic ability was so far and away better than others that he was not a uh, a, a a wide receiver, he was not a running back. I mean, he's a guy that that right now and and you know at that time, I'm sorry, at that time he was a guy that was a quarterback and that's exactly what he was. That's why you didn't see the Alabamas and the Georgias and the the uh, the other guys offering Kadarius Tony. I mean, the only people that had offered Kadarius Tony were teams like USF, uh, maybe South Carolina. It seems like South Carolina offered him early, that I recall. Um, Auburn was was curious because he grew up in Alabama. He's right there in, in Eight Mile, Alabama, and he ends up Auburn was the first team to really kind of get on him and go, "Wait a minute!" But Florida offered him, and then all of a sudden. You started seeing teams like Alabama offer uh, several schools in the Southeastern Conference finally stepped up and, and offered Kadarius Tony, but then he gets to Florida guys and he's coached by Kerry Dixon, who, <laughs> I mean, Mike will tell you, Look, <laughs> Kerry Dixon is not a an elite wide receiver coach. I don't even know if Kerry Dixon is a really good wide receiver coach. But then you, you pair that with what was going on with Florida offensively and. It it was difficult, guys. It really was. Uh, you can understand why this guy was started his college career uh, really behind the eight ball, and and here he is. Here comes uh, Billy Gonzalez coming. He walks in and goes, "Wow, uh, wow okay." And I think for Kadarius Tony it had to be a bit of a shock. And I think there was a little pushback there, you know, uh, with, maybe with him because you know we we'd hear some good things about Tony, and then all of a sudden. You know, as as Mike and I have alluded to, you didn't see him much. You know, and then when he get on the field, it was very limited. It was always a set play. You know, it was always something that he could do, uh, maybe maybe even a drag route, or you know, a a, a um, something quick over the middle. But that's about all you saw from Tony. It was, one of, th- it was year, one of those. This year you things- started seeing a whole bunch of routes, and he looked he looked just looked so much better running all these routes, and he was making defensive backs fall down. And that was, that was the thing I think that pleased everybody. Isn't it Mike?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, he was one of those guys where he wasn't on the field enough that you'd say, Oh, Tony's in on this play. Like, Oh, something's going to happen because he's, he's actually in for this play. So that's how infrequently he was being used. And it was kind of like, Tony has to have more touches. Like how many times on our old show, Mark, did we say, Kadarius has to have more touches than he's getting now he's getting four touches a game. What's going on? I mean, the, the beginning of his career was wasted because Jim McElwain wasted this program. I mean, he was the wrong guy at the wrong time for the program. Um, but, you know, he did find some diamonds in a rough. I mean, he did draft Kyle Trask. He did draft Kadarius Tony. So he did, he did find some guys that were not obvious, you know, if you go by just a 24-7 scout, you know, recruiting rankings or anything. But just getting him here is one thing. You have to make these guys – you know, from kids to football players. And that's where, you know, the Dan Mullen regime came in and, and where, you know, Billy Gonzalez, who you referenced to, I think has a future really as being a big-time coach somewhere. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of where we're getting with Kadarius Tony. It's a guy that, uh, you know, I, I, I M- Grump and I are always tempering people's expectations where don't come and expect him to be a number one ex-receiver on this team because that's not what he is. And that's not what his role, his role is going to be, you know, the guy in the slot, the guy who you know, can take the top off, but he's not going to be the guy, the number one quarterback's going to be lined up against. And I think that's very important for people to understand to don't have your expectations of something that he's not.
0: So you've mentioned that he was recruited by Jim McElwain, who would only be there for that 2017 season. And in fact, I think he left early and Randy Shannon took over, right? Um, yeah,
1: he uh <laughs> he basically lied about getting death threats before yeah. the Florida Georgia game and we don't want to I hate to rehab. I don't want to talk about it. It g- g- gives me gives me a case of yeah. But yeah, he left in the middle of that season. So,
0: I guess I have a, a two-part question is uh A um is part of his struggles due to the fact that he wasn't really in a pro style offense or, or in an offense that showcased wide receivers in, in that way uh, until his senior season. And was he recruited to be a quarterback?
2: No, no, he was recruited to be a wide receiver all the way. Um, yeah. He's, he's too small to be a quarterback. Now Florida's lined him up at quarterback to run to the all uh, they've lined him up at quarterback a time or two, uh, as I recall to, to maybe, uh, or on end around to throw the ball, he can throw the ball. He's got a little bit of an arm, but you know, accuracy is—is is he that guy? No, he's not that guy. Certainly wouldn't have been a quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, that's for sure. But he's a guy who, who, and, and honestly, I think he fit. He can fit most any kind of offense. I really do. I think the RPO stuff, uh, the stuff that Urban Meyer, Dan Mullen like to do, he would be perfectly fine doing, you know, but I think also in the pro style, he's your number three. He's your, he's your slot guy. He's your guy that that your playmaker, if you can get him the ball underneath in space, he's going to make some things happen. And then just as Mike said, the sneaky thing about him, and that's what we were surprised with this past year at Florida is, Oh, he'll, he'll, and there's a play out there. People have to Google it. Mike, I I can't remember who it was against, but he runs her out. And it's a it's a kind of a stop and go. And he stops, turns, and then boom, all of a sudden he starts running downfield on the fly. And the defensive back got turned around totally and fell down. And Kader, Tony is wide open because he is so quick and so fast. He just left that guy in the dirt. And and Tony uh, gets gets the uh catch and and makes a big play for Florida. And that's who he is. And and the other thing about him is he has good hands. I think his hands needed to improve while he was at Florida a bit. Uh, you know, Mike may have a little different take on that, but I, I do think his hands needed to improve. And I think we saw the last couple of years, particularly uh, his, his final year at Florida, he got so much better in, in that uh, area of the game. And, and look, there's one other thing about this kid. He's five eleven, six six foot, little thick, this kid doesn't mind throwing the block once in a while. He really he, he will throw a block once in a while and help out a fellow wide receiver. So, you know, the return game, uh, a guy in the slot who can do some things. He can do an end around. He may even be able to on a trick play be able to throw throw the ball short to somebody. He can he's a he's a weapon. He really is a weapon. And I think Giants fans once he gets comfortable in there, look, guys, he still needs some coaching up. We know that. As we, as Mike and I have said, he really had one good year at Florida and one year where we saw bits and pieces of him. But it's like the coaching staff was saying, no, you need to give us more. You need to give us more before we get you out on the field for more plays and more targets. Um, but. It, it happened for him. It happened for him, and I think Giants fans are going to be really pleased once he gets coached up a little more, gets comfortable in his role. Where Kaderis Tony is,
1: yeah. Mark made a good point that to get on the field in the Dan Mullen offense, if you're a receiver, you have to block. That's in a perfect universe of a Dan Mullen offense. You know, it's a lot of stuff where the, the, the receivers are blocking downfield, and they are they're an extension almost of the offensive line. And it's almost like having a a uh, running back that if he can't pick up a a blitz, he's not getting on the field. That's a very similar trait. And if you look back for the film from Florida for the last couple of years, for a lot of these guys that ended up either in NFL camps or on making NFL rosters, guys like Freddie Swain, for example. I mean, these guys, excellent downfield blockers. And he was able to do that. Um, We had pretty much, when when he came up with uh, Jim McElwain, Jim McElwain tried to run a pro style offense. Problem was, we didn't have a quarterback who can execute it, and we had, you know, a play caller that was not very apt at playing calling plays. Um, the offense when Dan Mullen got here, what he wanted to do was a little more of the the, the, the running the ball, a little more RPO. But when Phillippe Franks got hurt and Kyle Trask came in, he had a morph on the fly to be more of a pro style. So that's why we were throwing the ball 54, 55% of the time you know, from the end of 2019 and all of 2020. It was just you know, out of necessity. This is the quarterback we had. In the, so a guy like Tony benefited, and probably his draft stock benefited because he was able to, be able to showcase more in a system that would help him you know, down the line going into the league than if we would have had Franks running the RPO more and maybe not as accurate as a quarterback as, as Kyle Trask turned out to be.
2: Right. I mean, Tony essentially had a quarterback for one and a half years, guys. The rest of the time he had Felipe Franks, who was woefully inconsistent. His accuracy struggles are are the very reason why he didn't get drafted. Go
1: back to um, our old shows and listen to how much we complained about the inaccuracy. Oh <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. And, and look, uh, that may have played a role in part of the frustration for Kadarius. Tony, I'll also say this guys, remember, Florida had some awfully good wide receiver talent uh, going back two years ago. And, and, two and three years ago. I mean, you had a draft uh, two years ago. The draft had three Florida wide receivers drafted and a fourth guy go. And then this year you you had a few guys. So he he was surrounded by some awfully good talent at wide receiver. Billy Gonzalez did a really nice job, uh, as Mike said, developing those wide receivers. And look, for the former staff, he's right. Mike's absolutely right. They could identify talent. They had no problem identifying talent. But – developing those guys was a huge issue.
0: Do you think that Tony was overdrafted?
2: No. No, I don't. I, I think with the things he can do, once he gets comfortable, and again, he's still a little raw, just a little raw, but but he's going to get that coaching. He's going to be able to work on it full time now. And I really think this guy is really, really good. I mean, there, there's the rumor down here is and I think Urban even said it. He wanted he was hoping Kadarius Toney would be there when the Jaguars picked because that was the guy he wanted to take. But Tony was gone, so uh, they ended up going uh, running back with uh, well, ETN. Mark, we did
1: a we did a preview show talking about wide receivers in the draft and I said specifically, this is probably four weeks before the draft, don't be shocked if, if Urban Meyer takes Kadarius Toney, just a hunch. Because exactly what you're saying is what he's thinking. He loves very fast guys. He loves guys that can do lots of little different things. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, do you think you said that Kadarius Tony is still a little bit raw? Um, you know, obviously we know he's got all these abilities. I mean, the dude can run. He can take things on a jet sweep. He can take it from a traditional running back role. He can play wildcat. He can throw the ball, and he can be a traditional receiver as well as special teams and stuff. So. He is, I guess, in a way, lucky going to the Giants where, you know, if the Giants rolled into the season with their three starters the way they were with Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton, and then, you know, they went out and they got Dante Pettis and John Ross uh, as as the depth pieces there, there's no need to push Tony, you know, ahead to play wide receiver. Um, I guess, you know, as somebody who's seen him day in, day out for a couple of years, the the year one, what can Giants fans expect from him? Do you do you see him taking wide receiver snaps in a significant amount? Is it strictly going to be special teams and gadget plays for a little bit? Because when I look at him, I think that he is pretty much ready to be playing in the slot week one in at least a handful of plays.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think he can, you know, um, he was asked to do a lot at Florida. He really was, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about the different things he was asked to do early in his career. And then later in the career is when his his route running really seemed to blossom and develop a little bit. In this case with the Giants, look, they've they've got a few guys out there. They're not going to ask him to do too much. I don't think. I think he's going to be just fine in the slot. I think he'll have, you know, he'll probably maybe have uh, he'll have the coaching, and he'll probably have some veteran players t- teaching him some things here and there that he can do. He'll certainly hearken back to the things Billy Gonzalez taught him, and I think he'll be fine. I mean, I just when I say raw, I think look, look, we saw one one year out of him where he really, really exploded and thrived. Um, I I I just like to see a little bit more of that. We would like to see a little bit more, but but I think. You know in a lineup that like that you know in the nfl he's going to be fine Uh, i just don't be surprised if he's a little slow going and and getting going but but he seemed to be a kid that went once it it clicked for him once the light came on if you will then he was full speed ahead and and he played awfully well
1: yeah i think there's a difference in there's varying degrees of perception of where the giants are right now and what they try to do in this offseason looking forward because um um, John Mara, the owner of the Giants, made a statement like the time is now. And you know, Grump and I we debate almost every single week. You know, where are we in the rebuild? You know, are we on course? Is there still more work to do? So there are some mixed signals, and I think from the Giant fans themselves. I mean, the Giants spent a ton of money in free agency this year. Um, they were very aggressive in the draft. You know, trading down and trading up and getting extra picks. And you know, a lot of people. A lot of people tend to think that the Giants are ready to make a move, but at the same time, a lot of media people haven't bought in yet, thinking that Daniel Jones is the big problem. So so the issue is kind of, you know, people are wondering about Kadarius. Was this the right guy to draft now if we are ready to, quote, take the next step to be not a team that just almost made the playoffs, but to be a legitimate playoff team? And I agree with you about, I don't think it's a question of that he's raw. It's just he just needs reps. He just needs to play more. Um, so do you think that if if this is a team that is legitimately trying to make that ne- that jump to being a playoff team, is he ready to be a real contributor? Or is it something like maybe a year or two he'll really be – he'll get his touches, he'll get some catches. But to really count on him, you know, just trying to set expectations for what the fans – are getting for him and and where we are because where the giants are is the biggest question. I think most fans have,
2: you know, NFL is a whole nother league speed wise. You're not going to have an issue with this kid. He's got it. He's got the speed. He's got the quickness. He's he's, um, and, and when he has matched up against really good corners, he's played very well. This is a kid that caught eight passes for 153 yards and a touchdown against Alabama, uh, in the championship game. So from that perspective, he's, he's been very good. Uh, The Georgia game. I I think he had a big game against Georgia as well. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, from what I recall, he had, he had uh, seven, six or seven catches in the Georgia game. So he's, he's done it against some high level competition, but I just, I just think when I say raw, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Mike is is reps. You know, he's just going to need a little bit more, give him a little time to develop. Don't, Don't push it. Don't rush it. And I think you're going to really like what you see out of this kid. So I think you'll get some production out of him in year one, but in year two, I would expect based on what we saw at Florida, that, that kind of when the light came on, his development was, was so fast. Uh, and, and he became really, he became an instant playmaker for the Gators at wide receiver, not just as a guy that could do all the other things. Um, so I, th- I think, you know, year two, I would, I would certainly expect him to be a big part of what the Giants are doing in year two.
1: Mark, well, can I tell you a little secret? Because no one's listening anyway. I already ordered mine, eighty nine Kadarius Tony jersey. I think, <laughs> I think, I think he's gonna. I think he's exactly what this. I do not agree necessarily with the assessment of Mara that the time is now. I think this t- team still needs a little bit more. You know, they they they're done with the massive like complete roster overhaul. We're now seeing legitimate. Um, position battles at some spots where before it was, we got to find somebody off the street and we're about a year away from really, really making noise. And I think that'll be the perfect time for, for Kadarius after a year in the league, you know, he's going to have, you know, he didn't have an off season last year. Nobody did. Uh, This is a chance to really get into the league and get comfortable, get his feet wet. We have a lot of weapons already. Uh, We spent a lot of money for Kenny Galladay. We still have Evan Ingram if he ever decides to, catch a ball when it's, you know, an important part of the game. So the, 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 it's not all on his shoulders to be the guy who has to be the guy. And I think that's really going to help him as, you know, he gets his feet wet. And then next year, you know, when you know, maybe there is no more Ingram or we, we'll out what happens with Sterling Shepard and, and all this, he'll be ready to take that step to the next level and be, you know, a legitimate threat, you know, for this team and in, in the division.
0: I only really have one more question about Tony, and that's, um, you know, he he missed some games in 2017 and 2019 with with separate injuries. Uh, Do you foresee injuries going to be an issue for him? Because I know, you know, 2017, he's a freshman. I'm sure he weighed all of like 160 pounds. Um, And, you know, 2019... Of course, injuries are going to happen, but, you know, he he's a physical guy. You know, despite his side and speed, he will run through tackles and not out of bounds. So do you foresee that being like a wear and tear, nagging issues is going to be a problem for him at all?
2: I wouldn't think so. Uh, and, you know, there were a couple times where we got the, well, he's injured or, you know, well, he's got a foot. He's got an ankle. He's got this. And I, I'm not so sure, and I'm talking in his career, not, not certainly not last year, but, you know, maybe a couple years ago where we weren't real clear on Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen is very coy with stuff like that. and And, you know, then all of a sudden, and Mike can attest to this, because I'm sure he listened to the press conferences too. Then all of a sudden you get Dan Mullen. Someone asks a question about Tony. Oh, yeah, you know, we, we really do need to get – how many touches did he have last week? Uh, uh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, we need to get him more touches. We need to get him more touches. So I think, you know, don't always count on it being an injury. <laughs> there may have been something a bit more going on there. But, yeah. again, <laughs> you didn't see that this past year.
1: Let's just say there are a lot of Gators suspicious to see injured in the first game or two every season bingo (laughs) where it's just, you know, just they didn't play. And, you know, again, Kadarius you know, we're not going to make him out to be Aaron Hernandez, but he also wasn't a complete saint. His time at UF. I mean, some of the things are kind of when you, and we've all gone through this a hundred times with the stories where the, the air gun incident and all these different things, they're more is going to be blown out of it because you get drafted and you're in New York and they're going to dig and they're going to find, but you know, those things happen, and I, I think that uh, you know a guy that – playing his senior year and playing injury-free was very important. I think if he would have had you know legitimate things where he was banged up for a game or two, I think that would have been some more questions. And the question I would have asked because that was one of the things we were always like, well, where's Tony? It's like, oh, he's banged up again or something. But I think he's, he, he played healthy. I, 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 think, I think those concerns we can alleviate for right now. And let's just see him on the field and doing his thing.
2: Yeah, and look, there weren't that we know of any behavioral issues this season because he had five catches in the Ole Miss game to kick off the year, which and and that's not a whole lot. Again, you can see where he developed five catches against Ole Miss. I think the three of us could have caught a pass against Ole Miss, <laughs> yeah, as bad no as that Defense was, but uh, but yeah, he, he so he did play against Ole Miss. He played against South Carolina, and really, when you when you look at things and look at uh, kind of the way things happened and how he developed that South Carolina game was kind of his coming out part or cause party. Mm-hmm. Cause he was big against the Gamecocks.
1: Yeah. The, the old miss game is what I was referring to before as the punishment game, where it's the first game of the year and <laughs> guys are suspiciously not playing and he played in it. So, you know, that's, that was a good sign. So yeah, I'm excited about it, Mark. I, you know, again, it was one of those, I always say this every year, you know, I'm buying the Jersey immediately when we, when we draft a Gator and um, this is one I'm happy to have, you know, represent us as a guy who's very exciting. And again, you know, don't expect the second coming of Jerry Rice, but he's going to do a lot of things. It's going to give a different wrinkle to this offense that we, we, we've tried to fill this role with guys that are just not his skill set, And now we have that guy. So I'm excited to see what he does.
0: Um, let's pivot to Brett Heggie um specifically for the giants you know if there's one clear weakness and it it's clear as daylight is the interior of the offensive line is a gigantic question mark you know they were kind of you know i don't want to say lucky but you know fortunate that they they foresaw what nick gates could become at center but you know the guard positions are a huge problem and and they you know lost kevin zeitler in a in a trade this year so um Brett Heggie is one of only two offensive linemen that were added. He was an undrafted free agent. Um, Is there anything that you can glean some insight into who Brett Heggie is and, you know, what his his work ethic is, what his ceiling is like, you know, things like that?
2: Yeah, his work ethic is outstanding. I mean, the first time I ever met Brett Heggie, he played down in a a little town called Mount Dora, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe 35 miles Forty miles away from Disney, so he's in the Orlando area. Um, not the greatest football at Mount Dora, where some of the teams that they play, but but still, this is a guy that that, that really could do well. He made the Under Armour All America team. Um, it's it's funny we had a we were doing a show, Brent uh, Beard, a, a partner of mine, also on podcasts, and we had this FSU fan just ripping Florida for, and he was emailing me daily, almost daily laughing about Brett Hagee signing with Florida because Hagee's dad played at FSU. Oh, he's so bad. FSU didn't want him. And I kept saying, I've seen this guy play. I saw this guy play in high school. I saw this guy at the uh, practice sessions under armor. I'm telling you, this is a pretty good football player. And which as Mike will attest to now, Florida state would have, would have sold their own soul to get Brett Hagee on the field as an offensive lineman over the past three years. as poor as their offensive line is uh so they would have liked to have brett butler from gone with the wind at this point. <laughs> they would have they would have you know the thing we saw mike from brett heggie was a guy who who started early in his career i mean you're you're talking about a guy that his uh first year he was red shirted but his second year he started or he played in eight games and i think he started one of those games if i'm not mistaken somebody
1: uh somebody was out and he had to play yeah
2: yeah, early. And then all of a sudden he was out, and then, boom, he started the rest of the season after that. So he started a bunch of games as a young guy. And, you know, we saw it again um, in 2018 and 19. He played he, – and from 19 – and um, uh, 19, 20, he actually played every single game that I, I'm aware of. Uh, he was He was healthy. The problem was you go back to his red shirt – Freshman, redshirt, sophomore year, and and he was banged up a bit. He had some issues. There was uh, the first year for Mullen, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, he he went out to practice as they're getting ready in August, has a turf toe that they said was one of the worst cases of turf toe they ever saw, and it kept him from getting on the field. Um, I think there was some issues with with an injury, getting infected a little bit. You know, he just had all kinds of little things going on with him. But then once he got on the field, Look, I mean, he battled through it. He got on the field, and he was perfectly fine. And and, uh, comes from a really good family. He's a terrific guy, really is. And um, this is a guy who who played in the Under Armour All-America game alongside Landon Dickerson, of course, who we know was uh, the center for the University of Alabama, who did go to Florida State in early his career, saw what was going on, said, I'm getting out of here, and left and transferred to Alabama. But... He and Heggie were side-by-side. I remember him back when Heggie was a high school star, again, well, out of high school, playing in the Under Armour All-America game. And those two, side-by-side, they did a really nice job working together. So this is a guy, he can play center, he can play guard, which, you know, that's the National Football League. That's what coaches want on the interior. They want guys that are can flex a little bit and do some different things. And, and Heggie is that guy. He's a good pass-protection blocker. I think his pass-protection is ahead of his run blocking, but not that he's uh, not a good run blocker. I think for the Giants, here's a guy that's going to probably be a reserve guard, reserve center for you more than anything probably, and uh, he could could back up at center while he's learning the position. He's a smart kid, a very sharp young man, and I think he'll do uh, very well. You know, he's going to sit a little while. Does he push for starting position? Is he a guy that's eventually going to, Uh, work his way into a starting role in the national football league. I'm not sure, but, but I can tell you this, he's going to be a a good guy to learn the center position behind whoever you have there. And, and then also give you a a guy who could help you at guard. He's certainly going to be a guy that's going to be able to go out on special teams and play.
1: Well, he's a guy that, you know, you talk about being a smart guy. He was sec academic honor roll. I think three years he played And here's the thing that kind of stands out to me, and you know, we used to praise him all the time on our show. But Florida's offensive line the last three years, Giant fans, you think our offensive line has been bad? You should see the the Florida offensive line; it's been brutal. You know, running the ball, you know, pass blocking and stuff. But three different times in his career, he was SEC offensive lineman of the week. Yeah, I mean, that's something that tells you about what his reputation is. If he's surrounded by lesson seller talent or just a, a unit that just can't get it together for him to individually shine enough to get, you know, above that, you know, that, that stigma that the, the, the Gator offensive line is that reputation to win it when he was a freshman, when he was a junior and when he was a senior. So he's not a Johnny come lately guy. He's just a, a lunch pail guy that does his job and, you know, fought through some early injuries on. And, and again, because we've had to do either through injury or just through lack of talent, we've had to move him around places. We've had to move him to the right side. He had to play center. Uh, you know, those skill sets are something that, for the role, bringing him in, you know, to see to compete for a roster spot, the more you can you can provide, and the more things you offer, the better chance you have to make the roster.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, it's so hard to tell with offensive linemen. You know, like you were saying, reserve, learn for a little bit. Can he be a starter? I don't know you know Nick Gates was you know the Giants probably third best offensive lineman last year at playing at center for the first time uh, that I know of you know through high school college and then uh, the NFL he was undrafted in 2018 so you know it's so strange with 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 offensive line I think it, a lot of it comes down to just the raw athletics and the raw you know size and and, and length combined with work ethic. So that's why I led with the work ethic question because, you know, he's 6'4", 310 pounds already, or at least that's what he weighed in for uh, uh, according to draft profiles and stuff like that. You know, he's pretty much got that that weight and length already. It comes down to can he learn, you know? And the fact that he's already played, I believe, all three interior positions, right, he's played left and right guard, Um says to me at least that he can absolutely find himself as a starter somewhere in the NFL. It's it's up to him.
2: Yeah, and look, everything Mike said is spot on. I mean, uh, the Florida offensive line, goodness gracious. Ugh, he God. Does, he went in his career from working with um, a guy who, you know, really had to learn the ropes at left tackle, finally starting after three years, three and a half years of sitting on the bench at at Florida and kind of, uh, getting there. And meanwhile, inside, they were kind of trying different things at center. Um, you know, they couldn't they had run
1: the ball. I mean, it's, it's like, very simple. They couldn't yeah, run the ball.
2: And, yeah. and And it was just, it was just really tough. And, and, you know, now this past year he's, you know, at, at left tackle, you've got a, a young guy again, who's trying to learn the ropes. And then out at guard, he had a guy who had a horrible year who'd he's <laughs> been around and played at mississippi state played at florida and just didn't look good at all uh looked like he was too heavy to me to be playing the position the way he was he was too slow at times and then um uh, on the other side he had a younger guy again so he mike's absolutely right you know you play with some guys that that have Played the game. Well, you play alongside a few veterans, and boy, it can make a world of difference for you. And I think Hagee will have no problem picking things up, picking up the offense, doing what he needs to do. And again, he's been healthy now for a while. So I think we've seen that, yes, this guy, once he got healthy, he stayed healthy. Uh, I'm not so sure he didn't play a little heavy last year, Mike, to be honest with you, at Florida. I think I think if he plays around 310, 315, that's probably where he ought to be. I think last year he was over 320. And uh, I think there was a little too much for him.
1: Yeah, last year to me is a complete wash. I mean, we did. You're not able to have a, a regular off season. You don't get to go into the gym and, and, and you know have using the coaches for you know a, a true off season workout program. Who knows what nutrition was in the off season? You can you can tell these guys to eat something. You know, are they really doing it? So, you know, it takes a lot of self-discipline. And we're not talking about NFL guys who are in their upper 20s who are mature men who have millions and millions of dollars on the line. You're talking about college kids. And they live in, you know, the greatest college town in the country. And, you know, they're, you know they, everybody's maturity is, you know, only at a certain point. So I, I give all of these guys a little bit of a pass where if they're not at their peak Weight, or you know, they did this or did that. I mean, it's just kind of you have to take the complete body of work from what they've done from the beginning to the end, and that includes Kadarius Tony too. You know, just look at everything they've done, look at the progression. You know, physically, mentally, numbers-wise, and that's why I think a guy like Heggie could be, you know, a, a post draft steal if he, if he makes this roster because he could do a lot of things, and I think he can do a lot of things well.
0: I was really interested because, um, you know, I didn't really expect the Giants to go Kadarius Tony, but I did expect at least one wide receiver taken, and I actually predicted that they would double dip at wide receiver. They didn't, but um, I really had my eye on Trayvon Grimes. And, you know, Trayvon Grimes is a 6'4 former track star in high school, and yet he went undrafted to the Eagles. So we hate him now, by the way.
1: Um, but, <laughs> well listen hey Grump, let me tell you something I could never hate Emmett Smith and he went you know where he went so hate's a strong word with gators it's disappointed that's all I can say well
0: you know you and I will have a chat later you know? yeah we'll but, talk later um, were, but were you surprised at all that he went undrafted because I saw him you know he's got some things to work on in my opinion um, but you can't teach speed you can't teach height And it's not like he was a slouch for Florida. So I thought he would go in like the fourth, fifth round. I was pretty surprised that he went completely undrafted.
2: Uh, I'm right with you. That's what I thought. I thought he'll go fifth or sixth round. And, uh, you know, if, if he falls to the seventh, someone's got an absolute steal. Because the thing I saw in Grimes, my take on Grimes is this. As the 2020 season progressed, he got better and better and better. And we started seeing more of him, and it was, it was, it was pretty impressive. Uh, he made a catch late in the season against somebody, and I'm trying to think of who it was. But, I mean, he went up and got the ball right in the corner of the end zone.
1: It was an LSU game, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think it was LSU. It was a phenomenal catch phenomenal catch and you really you saw him doing a few things I think those things like this really like that really give players confidence and I think he needed his confidence to grow a little bit because when you look at his career the past two years at Florida the numbers just weren't there but as I said before you really go back three years I mean there were some pretty good wide receivers ahead of him at Florida there really were some guys that that played awfully well and I think Grimes was a guy who just needed to get that opportunity. And once he he made a few big plays, I think this is a guy who, you know, the lights kind of came on for him, and he, and he just needed that confidence. And uh, I really was surprised that nobody picked him up. I, If I was running a draft, I don't care where it was, that sixth round, seventh round, I would have definitely grabbed Trayvon Grimes because I, I think he's a guy who, who, you know, you talked about, uh, he was he developed early as a high school all American uh, guy who really has length, he has speed, he runs good routes, and he'll throw a block once in a while for you. Just as Mike said earlier, if you're in Billy Gonzalez's offense, Dan Mullen's offense, you better block. And uh, I think I think really as we saw the 2020 season go down the stretch, you saw more of Trayvon Grimes, and and look, there were plays where he was open where he just didn't get the ball thrown to him because they had other guys open, and particularly one of those guys that took a lot of catches was a guy by the name of Kyle Pitts, so uh, you got to go there. Kyle Pitts is a a unique and phenomenal talent, but look, there were plays out there where, where Grimes was certainly open, and I think it just became a numbers game for him.
1: Also, the Florida offense, I mean, you have to go back to Travis McGriff in the 90s, has never been an offense that features one receiver and is going to feed them the ball 12, 13 times a game. I mean, if you look back on the 2020 season with Florida, you would see things like in the old miss game, 13 guys had a reception. You could see in like South Carolina, 14 guys had a catch. They spread the ball all over the place, and especially with the... You know, the, the 2.0 version of the Mullen offense with Kyle Trask and it became, you know, basically the, the, the run and shoot almost the way they were throwing the ball, too. So everybody's numbers are not going to be as inflated as they could be in different offenses. So that's one, one thing about him. Um, the one thing, uh, Mark, you, you know, you're still down in Florida. There was some chirping a little bit by um, Trayvon Grimes on social media about and he was very cryptic about it saying that people were talking about him and not really helping him in the process. Um, the inference being kind of that our coaching staff didn't do everything they could have to promote him and to help him during the, the pre-draft process. Have you heard anything about that? or And if you did, do you think that's anything that might have you know, kind of hurt his status? Because quite frankly, if you're undrafted and you can pick where you want to go, it might be a better situation for some players them getting drafted in the sixth round in a bad fit. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, I can't see why he went undrafted as well. Just just look at him. I mean, the guy looks like an NFL receiver, and we saw the results on the field. So did you hear anything about kind of like those, you know, cryptic remarks that he made?
2: You know, I, I didn't hear anything to, to follow up on that, but I, I got to tell you, guys, it makes sense. Some of that makes sense. Look, I, I've seen through the years, guys who not, not even at Florida, I'm talking to other schools as well. And in fact, I have a friend of mine who was in that very situation, a guy who was an all sec player and an all American that didn't get drafted went undrafted. And I can tell you that what he told me is, well, he, he kind of rubbed the coaching staff the wrong way because uh, he was a team captain. And, and um, the situation with him was he went to the coaching staff and said, uh, come on guys, you you're, you're, you're you're pushing us too much. He goes, we need to breathe a little bit. Let guys, let guys, let up on the curfew. The the coaching staff had, and I'm not going to mention the school or anything. But anyway, they went on a curfew from like twelve o'clock or one o'clock to to ended up being eleven thirty and then eleven o'clock. Yeah, you're not getting guys that come in at eleven o'clock and they're they're where they're going to be happy. And he was just. uh, you know, had kind of gone against the staff and gone to the coaching staff and said, look guys, you just give us, give us some room to blow off some steam. We'll be a whole lot better with it. We can't just go football, 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 football and focus, you know, let us get out there and and do a few things and hang out a little bit at night and and kind of uh, have some fun and, and we'll be okay. And, and that, he told me that did not sit well with the coaching staff when he approached them and said that. So it wouldn't surprise me one bit if there were maybe some issues. And again, I'm sure there was some frustration from Trayvon Grimes because he didn't play a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, there is a history
1: of Dan Mullen In terms not being... Of touches. Yeah, right, right, right. He played, but you're right. He didn't have the nine, ten, eleven touches that he was probably hoping for. I mean, there's a history with Dan Mullen not being a warm and fuzzy guy. You know, I mean, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, when he left, similar situation. He badmouthed the staff the whole. as soon as he got out of Gainesville all the way to the draft. Um, You know, that is, and that's one of the things, you know, and obviously nobody here cares, but, you know, talking about Gator recruiting is one of the reasons we believe Gator recruiting isn't where it should be is part and parcel to Dan Mullen's personality. That he is not a guy that, you know, is the most, you know, charming guy and and relatable to these young kids. I mean, they see the results and it seems to work with guys in the transfer portal who are a little older and are not, you know, they've been, they've been through the recruiting wars and they know that, you know, some guys tell them things they may not want to hear, but this doesn't surprise me that, you know, there's another guy who, you know, whether these rumors are even true or not just to be associated with something like this. But, you know, if that's the biggest you know, character issue for a guy like him. I don't think that's a big deal at all. And I think Philly, you know, I think they made out like bandits getting him. Cause I, I, I just know it's going to happen. Grump and Mark, we're going to be at a game in December. We're going to be playing Philly. He's going to have a big third down catch. And I'm just going to sit there like, Ugh. <laughs> 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 so I know it's going to happen.
0: Well, I guess that's kind of my, my only other question about Trayvon Grimes is, you know, Philadelphia obviously has the two first round picks at wide receiver. I don't know how much you pay attention to the NFC East football, but um, you know, they went out, they got Jalen Rager last year, obviously Devontae Smith this year. But behind that is just a bunch of garbage, in my opinion. Greg Ward, Travis Fulgham, Hightower, Watkins, Ortega Whiteside. I honestly, and, and this is just my honest opinion, it might be recency bias because I've watched a bunch of Grimes film in the last like month and not so much on all these other guys. But I could see him as being the fourth wide receiver on this roster like by the end of training camp. I, I, am I crazy? You feel free to tell me that I'm a little nuts, but.
2: Oh, you're a little nuts, but that's just besides the point. <laughs> no, I think, and again, a lot of this may be due to Kyle Pitts, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, let's face it, tight ends aren't supposed to get a lot more opportunities, uh, you know, uh, and touches than than receivers. But when you got a guy like that on the field and he's blowing people away and he's open, you know, or he's got a guy five inches shorter than him that is playing off him, you know, then that's where you got to go with the football. So, you know, there may have been a little bit of that. We see that all the time. You know, we, we see and hear all that stuff all the time. You know, not only in high school, but in college football where guys are a little upset because they don't, they don't feel that they're getting enough touches and they're they're not getting that. And, and look, uh, there may be some, uh, some room for Trayvon Grimes where he's absolutely correct, but you know, Hey, look, sorry guy. But when you got a, a Kyle Pitts, when you've got a Kadarius Tony, that's kind of the way the cards fall, you know?
1: And you got these young guys that like Jacob Copeland's and the Xavier Anderson's who who are young freshman guys. And you got to give them some touches. You got to make them happy or else they're going to jump in the, tr- the, the transfer portal immediately. So you, you got to spread the round. And, and like we said, this is an offense that spreads it around. It's, it's again, it's not going to be something they're going to feed a guy 17 touches. You're not. You're never going to see a stat line from a Gator receiver under the Dan Mullen offense of a guy having 15 catches for 204 yards. It's not the way this offense works. And um, but my concern with for someone like him, and it shouldn't be my concerns with the Eagles now, but he inferred it wasn't so much about on the field; it was off the field, and that's what I'm very curious, you know, yeah, digs that may require a little more investigation, or is it just, you know, you fire off a tweet right after the draft, you didn't get drafted and you're upset and you're just going to blow off some steam. But
2: other well, there than are a lot that, of things that should start on the practice field or when you're in a game, when you're not getting the touches you want, then, then it, it kind of, uh, it, kind of bec- it kind of becomes an off the field issue, you know, uh, yeah. we've seen that before too. So who knows? Who knows? Mm. But I mean, the guy's awfully talented and um, you know, I, it's funny because my thinking was, boy, if that guy stuck around one more year, oh. if he was at Florida one more year, that that would have been probably pretty big for him. And look, he w- he probably would have been number one for Florida. He really would have. Cause you don't, you don't see it in some of the other guys for Florida as of yet. Now, there's some projects. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, there's they, some projects. They have
1: potential, but they're not ready yet to take that mantle. And, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I mean, a guy like him, if he, if he knew he was going to be undrafted, he would have stayed. But, you know, these guys, they, they look at college as the portal to the NFL and into the money. So I don't know. And he's, you know, he originally went to Ohio State and he transferred down to Florida. It was family situation. So you can't blame these guys for doing what they do. I mean, heck. I do it if the money if there's the money out there you get you got to jump at it but his career might have been taking a different path if he stayed another year.
0: I, I I totally agree with that. I do have you know since we're talking so much about Pitts Giants fans know everything about Pitts you know I, I think the whole National Football League audience knows all about Kyle Pitts. I, my question really is is pretty simple you know the Giants face Atlanta I think week three. Um, is there any way to stop Kyle Pitts? No. Okay. Good to
2: know. No. Yeah, I mean, no. I mean, honestly, if he's got some playmakers around him, well, look out, look out, because that can help And Who knows what Julio Jones is going to do? Doesn't sound good, that's for sure. But the thing about um, uh, Pitts, Pitts is going to get his his touches, his his catches. But if he has, like we saw, Kadarius Tony. All of a sudden, fly up beside him. You know, Florida had some other guys who who could catch the ball. Wow. Uh, you know, then you better look out. Who are you going to put on him? You going to put a safety on him? You going to put a, a a corner on him? You better put a corner on him. You better have some height and some some uh, ball skills to be able to. He better be pretty physical. I, I don't know who you can put on him. He really he, and- he the thing he does, Mike. That's one thing that's so well in addition to running superb routes, runs superb routes, he has speed, he has quickness, but he turns and positions his body. And I had a nice conversation with him when he was at Florida, and he was talking about the coaches working with him on positioning his body where the defensive back really was going to struggle to make a play or he was going to draw the flag. And he said, either way, I win. And, and that, that's, that's exactly what you want from a player. You know, that's the attitude you want. You know, hey, okay, if I don't catch the ball because the guy uh, wraps me up or hits me, then that's okay because we got the flag and and uh, we got another uh, fresh set of downs to play. Uh, he's, he is just a superb player. The Miami Dolphins screwed up. They really did. <laughs> I've, I've heard this. The Miami Dolphins traded down from three to 12 then went back up to six they thought he was going to be there and from what I heard you you know you saw the last what last eight weeks ten weeks before the draft more Kyle Pitts more Kyle Pitts more you know he went from a guy that was probably going to be a top 10 pick to a guy that was going to be a top probably top eight pick oh well wait a minute this guy may be a top five pick and and then I think the Dolphins went oh no Oh, no, because I really believe they thought they could get him at six. Getting The Dolphins need a wide receiver, number one wide receiver, yes, but to get a Kyle Pitts, that'll help when you got some of the guys that they have who really aren't a true number one. That would have been ideal for them, and then next year, with the stash of draft picks the Dolphins have, or had, I should say, before they went back up to six and uh, made that move with Philly, they could have. They could have next year gotten a, a superb wide receiver uh, and, and gotten their number one, possibly. But I think they made a big mistake, and, and they they got a little greedy and thought, oh, he'll be there at six. He'll be there at six, and then we can go with Pitts, or we can go with one of the other top wide receivers.
1: Those receivers are there every year, though. I mean, like, there's, you know, we talked about the Alabama receivers for months on end, and, you know, Next year, there'll be another group of two or three guys that are very similar in skill set and, and upside and all that stuff. When was the last time any of us had this conversation about a tight end? I can't think of it. I mean, just what he does. And he caught – I was at that SEC game in Atlanta, and he caught that late touchdown in the fourth quarter. And I was sitting right in that corner where we caught it. So you could see everything. You could see how he high-pointed the ball. You could see where his body was. You could see how he – he had the, the, the balance of his of his lower body and his legs. And it's, it's like, I'm watching a man here play against Bama. I'm not talking South Alabama. I'm not talking about Sanford University in Alabama. We're talking about the University of Alabama and just using these guys. Um, he's going to be a, a, a massive problem for defense coordinators for years on end. The question is going to be, you know, are they going to have the right quarterback who's going to get him the ball adequately enough to – utilize that skill set that unique skill set that he has
2: yeah it would have been nice to see him play against lsu
1: yeah so giant fans who don't know this one our arrogant head coach decided to get ready for alabama in a couple of weeks decided that he would bench kyle pitts to rest him for the sec championship game well a funny thing happened we lost to lsu in any real hopes of you know, getting into the playoff and really any momentum for for the rest of the season kind of went out the window. So, you're right, college. We only really, had a ten game season. You have an elite talent like that, you play him. You don't rest guys, and that's something we can. You know, still keeps me awake at night almost every night of the year. And I'm not kidding. <laughs>
0: um, I guess there's only one guy left that I really do want to pick your brain on, and that is Kyle Trask. Um, you know, I guess would be like kind of like the phenom of the year because he pretty much came out of nowhere filling in for injured Felipe Franks at the end of twenty nineteen. You know, he's got the starter job in twenty twenty. The whole offense kind of changes around his skill set, you know, and all of a sudden we're talking about Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts and and, and Trayvon Grimes and, and all these guys are suddenly more important because they're throwing the ball fifty times a game. Um, you know, from what I understand, he's, you know, basically a one-year starter in his whole life.
1: Well, yeah, he the Kentucky game was week three, so he basically played a year in five, six. Like he, he played almost all of 2019.
0: But had never started a game as a quarterback in his life before that. That's correct. And, right. you know, and he was a walk-on at Florida?
2: No, he get, they did, gave him a scholarship.
1: He got a scholarship, okay. yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that went, that
2: may have been the best move ever made in the McElwain era. In fact, I'll I'll say it was. I mean,
1: <laughs> well, I would um, say the best move ever was him with the death threat, so he left because <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> so let, 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 let's get him out of there. So that was his best move. But yeah, he would. He had a camp, and Trask went to the camp. I think Trask paid his own way to go to the camp or something, and he was just like, "This guy's got something," and he fit the type of offense that that uh, McAway was trying to run and, and offered him a scholarship. I, one other school might've like a very small school might've offered him a scholarship too. I
2: think, yeah. Not even a well, one, one a. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, look, I mean, Doug Nussmeyer and I think McElwain, <laughs> but I, th- I thought it was Nussmeyer had the first contact with him. Um, maybe. Uh, but yeah, it was, I, I look, I'll, I'll say, I think Dan Mullen made a mistake. I really do. I think Dan Mullen, was, look, Kyle Trask has a strong arm. He really does. It's not quite Felipe Frank's strong, and Franks is a better athlete than him. But, you know, it was interesting because when you ask Stan Mullen, okay, what, what do you want your quarterback at Florida? Well, I want a guy that can check off, make, get us into the right play. I want a guy that can affect the game the way it ought to be affected. I want a guy that throws an accurate pass because if you can do the first two things, and this is what he told me, then, it, but you can't get the ball there, then who cares? You know? And he's right. Well, he had a guy that could do a little bit of the first two, but struggled mightily with the last in Felipe Franks. And, and Franks just really wasn't that guy. That's why Franks was shipped off to Arkansas, but I'm not so sure. I really believe that Mullen that made a mistake because I think had he started Trask earlier in his career and not been so gung-ho on watching Felipe Franks when he does move around in the pocket and the escapability that he has, and he has it. That guy, I mean, good Lord, when he, when he takes two steps, he's picked up f- six yards. I mean, he's got long strides. He really can move pretty fast for a quarterback. And he's, he's very athletic. Uh, but, I mean, this is a guy that could pitch. He, he, this is a guy that, 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 that he he could do a lot of things. I, I know uh, a guy who went up against, well, that coached up against him in high school when he was uh, at Wakulla High School. And uh, this guy had to coach against him a couple times. He said, I'm telling you, this kid's really good. He's impressive. But, you know, I think Mullen made a mistake. But I, Kyle Trask is, what a story. I mean, what a phenomenal story. What a kid who's really done everything he can do. I don't care what Mullen says. He's not that mobile in the pocket. I know Dan's threw that out there before the draft, hoping that people would buy it. But he, he he has very little of that. Very little of that. Not as much as Mullen would like you to believe. But he, he's a kid sitting behind Tom Brady. I am thrilled for that kid to have that opportunity because If anybody deserves it, after what he did in high school, sitting, waiting his turn, never got it, waiting his turn at Florida, finally got it, and stepped on the stage and did what he did. And plus, you know, you feel sorry for this kid in the Oklahoma game, in the bowl game, because receivers departed. He he was working with a bunch of guys. The timing was off, clearly. These guys were not able to run the routes that they should have been running at that time. And, boy, he paid a price for it.
1: We don't talk about that game, Mark. It never existed.
2: Yeah. And, look, he it, made his own mistakes, too. We get that. Yeah. but I mean, um,
1: a, a team that practices three times against a team that obviously was showcasing that to get ready for a, a playoff run the following year, that was, that was a disgrace and, you know, more the arrogance of our head coach. But we'll save that for another show. But the thing about Trask, to me, I noticed, you know, the second half of the season – I noticed like his footwork wasn't as good as it was earlier in the year. He started to do a little bit of that throwing off the back foot thing. Um, So I I think, you know, he's in an excellent position. He's going to a team where he doesn't have to be QB one on day one. Uh, You know, Bruce Arians is a really good head coach that that will work with him. You know, I'll believe it when I see it, when Tom Brady takes him under his wing and is going to show him things. That's not what guys like Tom Brady do, but he's got time and he's, he knows how to be in this exact role, which he's been in Florida for years. So I think he's going to have one of these years, careers. He's going to be in the league for 10 years, probably be, you know, a backup for six or seven, but will at some point in his career have a meaningful impact on a season and on a team. But I, I think he's got some work to do uh, footwork wise. He's very accurate. You know, he, he his completion percentages were fantastic. Um, I just think it's, you know, He's gonna have to, it's a big adjustment from the SEC, to the NFL, and he's gonna need some time to, to learn. But fortunately, he's in a good spot for this.
0: Well, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much what I was gonna say. Is is behind Arians and Brady. You know, it, it's the ideal situation for somebody like him, right? I mean, if yeah. he had just gotten more on field experience, we have no idea what we would have seen. But you know, if you were to invest your retirement into guessing this question correctly do you legitimately think that he is a shot at eventually being a starter for even one year in the NFL?
1: For one year, sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think he does. And again, to Mike's point about the footwork, he was getting hit a lot. He That's was true. getting hit a lot at Florida his, his final year there. The right side of that offensive line was abysmal. It really was. I, I would stop – the dvr i would stop and watch what they were doing and watch guys just run by him. uh the right right tackle right guard play was not good at florida uh there was no coach that was going to cast a vote for either one of those guys on an all sec team <laughs> in fact they weren't even in the they didn't even think about those guys they weren't even in the all Gainesville team Come exactly <laughs> so yeah it, he took some shots and you saw him get up a few times slow and there was one play i remember about mid-season and I don't remember again who it was, with, but he got up and he was kind of limping around just a little bit there, and so he got busted up quite a bit. So I, I kind of can't blame him for being a little, a little gun shy if he was at times.
1: But a guy like him, he's a guy you never count out. Like there's certain players that, yeah, there's the, the the backstory and the emotional story, but you can't count him out. And you know, in an NFL where we have, you know, right now I think there's four backup Gator quarterbacks. Who are on NFL rosters right now. I mean. If Jeff. Dr- Jeff Driscoll can keep getting contracts somewhere.
2: <laughs> why can't Kyle Trask. Start for a season somewhere.
1: I mean come on. I mean. Yeah.
2: I mean I'm his surprised. footwork is probably comparable honestly to Peyton Manning. Interesting. Yeah. I'd say that. Peyton Manning did not have good footwork as we all know. He was. Uh, boy when he was under pressure. You know, but, but the thing about him was he knew where he was going with the ball, and he would throw it and get hit and get back up. And that, that was kind of Kyle Trask this past year. So, you know, uh, I'm not saying he's Peyton Manning, don't get me wrong, but the, the footwork and the issues there, which I, I, I tell you, I, I'm amazed that Peyton Manning had the career he did with with some of the uh, issues he had when he was under pressure. This is
1: where I insert the line, Peyton Manning went 0-4 against Florida in his career.
0: I think That's it all. might be your most most tweeted tweet.
1: That's true. Your daily reminder. Thank you.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, I got nothing else, so I, I guess my my parting question for you is: Who are the guys we should be watching coming out of Florida this year? Is it
2: Elam? Is it Moon, or uh, you know Miller? I think it's Elam. Mm. I, I think it's really Elam. I think he is. Uh, He's, I think he's a terrific talent. He was playing very well last year, then kind of faded out a little bit. Uh, teams decided they weren't going to throw on him. Why should they? They were having so much success and having a good time elsewhere. And then all of a sudden, Elam shows up again, and, and you started really to see him throw a little bit his way. But, uh, yeah, Keir Elam, I think with his athleticism, his speed, just he, that guy has a unique knack for the ball. He really He really knows – he really is so well coached. Uh, and I think that started for him at the high school level somewhere, because when he got to Florida, that was, he was one of the first guys, the players, the other players, the veteran players were raving about. And, um, you know, he, he's gotten some good coaching at Florida, but it, obviously now we'll see what happens uh, here and there. But I think, uh, I think he's definitely the guy who, if you're looking for a first round draft pick from Florida, he would be, he would easily be that, that number one guy.
1: I mean, I would think like him, maybe Brenton Cox might be a guy if he has a monster year this year as well. I mean, just you look at him, that's an NFL player, just body. You know, it's a little inconsistent last year. But again, everybody gets a pass in my book for last year. It It just frustrates me to no end. All the talent that this Gator defense had in the last couple of years and have it completely wasted with a bad defensive coordinator and a bad group of uh, defensive coaches where, you know, an offense that had a a quarterback who was drafted high, you know, first round draft picks all over the place and everything. And just couldn't stop anybody, just a a complete waste. So, you know, we'll, you know, everybody on this show, again, who's ever still listening, you know, you'll hear my Gator commentary throughout the season and stuff, but um, it's a team to watch for no other reason. If you're a giant fan of looking at potential 2022 draft picks you know either people who play for florida or etc opponents that we're going to face
2: a lot yeah, of good and, and you've made a good point i think brenton cox is a guy to watch but you also mentioned mike mike mentioned uh, ventrell miller and he's a guy to watch too he's really gotten a lot of praise from the coaches for for doing some nice things and, and kind of stepping up and uh, looking pretty good uh you know one guy who needs a bounce back here and uh boy uh, does he need it, and does he need it bad? Is Trey Dean? Trey Dean. This is a guy who, when <laughs> he was a young player at Florida, played awfully well, and he—that's he, a kid who he's—he's he's got the talent, he's got the size. He just—it's uh, just not there entirely. A couple other guys to keep an eye on: defensive tackles DaQuan Newkirk, kid from Auburn who's awfully good, awfully athletic at D tackle, and Antonio Shelton, a Penn State transfer who both those guys played very well very well, and according to one uh, Florida offensive lineman that I spoke with, uh, he said, I'm telling you, those guys, those two guys played better than our guys last year, and Newkirk is a guy Auburn co- the Auburn coaching staff loved, but he could never stay healthy there, and of course, Gus leaves, he's fired, so Newkirk said, I'm going back home to my home state, I'm going to play for the Gators and get a new lease on life, and Antonio Shelton is a guy who could really run for a guy that's only 6'2", and weighs 327. So those are probably a couple of guys to keep an eye on. Um, you know, I'm d- not sure if Florida's going to have a wide receiver like a Jacob Copeland who's going to emerge this year and, and show up somewhere on NFL uh, radar or Justin Shorter. Uh, but, but, you know, probably a, a, probably two years down the road for Florida to really start making an impact in the draft early. I'm talking first and second round
1: yeah the light i think the light will go on earlier for a lot of these guys when you have a, a real off season you know you have a real spring camp i mean we didn't have an orange and blue game this year god knows why uh, but you know they're in the weight room they, they're 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 getting the nutrition they should all these things where it's not just running around like your head on fire when the season starts like it happened last year so we'll, we'll see what happens well, Mark, I,
0: geez, I, I super appreciate you coming on. This is, this is awesome. This is really, really insightful. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find your stuff?
2: Yeah, just uh, go to Twitter, at McLeod Live, uh, and uh, it'll be there. Facebook page, the Gator Blitz. be starting to crank some stuff out as June because camp's open finally for players, uh, for high school players They finally get a chance to get in front of high school coaches. So I uh, hope to have some information out there. Hey Mark, uh, you know,
1: hopefully with our schedules starting to align again, let's get the band back together.
2: There you go. I mean, er,
1: everybody. Good. If you if you liked hearing Gator talk with me and Mark, you know, maybe we'll, uh, you know, if they can bring the friends reunion back together, and they can bring Roseanne back together. They, <laughs> no reason they can't bring uh, Mark and the cranky fan back together. So <laughs> that sounds uh, exactly like you're, you're right. cruising for canceling right there. Well, you know, <laughs> it is cancer culture, so. <laughs>
0: Um, As always, this podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, everywhere there's podcasts. Ours is available. It's just Giants. You can follow me on Twitter at
1: football underscore grump,
0: where I'm talking all things Giants. And Mike is on Twitter as well at The Cranky Fan.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know what's happening. We have Knicks, we have Lightning, we have Gator football, Giants. I'm just, if I see Trey Young walking down the street in Times Square, he's going to get his for me. So he better just stay in his hotel room. But you know, at the cranky fan, you know where I am. You know what we talk about. Let's let's, uh, let's get it done.
0: All right, everyone. We'll see you next time. Go Gators. Go Giants.
1: Yeah, go Gators. <laughs>